You're listening to the Church on the Move Roswell podcast. We hope this message inspires you, encourages you, and challenges you to take your next step with Jesus. Thanks for listening. Let's check it out. Anyway, hey, 1 Peter, we're talking about warriors versus the world, how the world thinks, how Christian warriors think. We know that God said, you know, I am the Lord, I'm a warrior. He said, warrior is my name. And so God expects us to conduct ourselves like that and not always run from problems but face them. And so I'm going to talk about that a little bit. First Peter chapter 1, um, we're going to start reading in verse 4. It says this. Oh, let me get to it. Where is it at? I see three. I, uh, okay, but where's four? Okay. We are reborn into a perfect inheritance that can never perish, never never be defiled and never diminish. It is promised and persevered and preserved forever in the heavenly realm for you. Through our faith, the mighty power of God constantly guards us until our full salvation is ready to be revealed in the last time. May the thought of this cause you to jump for joy, even though lately you've had to put up with the grief of many trials. But these only reveal the sterling core of your faith, which is far more valuable than gold that perishes. For even gold is refined by fire. Everybody say refined. Your authentic faith will result in even more praise, glory, and honor when Jesus the anointed one is revealed. You know, I want to talk about the refining process by fire. And, you know, I've, been, I've read several things about this process and several stories about people actually going to people who do silversmithing and goldsmithing and actually watching them do that because of some of these scriptures. You know, in Malachi 3, 3, it says, he will sit as a refiner and purifier of silver, talking about God purifying our lives. And, you know, we go through trials in, you know, right here it says jump for joy. Count it all joy when you face various trials because God is, he's doing a work inside of us. He's doing a refining, purifying work inside of us. And really, guys, in good times we learn lessons, but the greatest lessons we learn in life is when we go through difficult times. And we don't do what the world does and run from those. We stand and face them. And you know, we might cause that trial. Satan might be attacking us. God might be putting us to a test. Uh, there's a various ways we end up in those situations. Most of the time, I'd say it's by our own choices. But because we're in that situation, our Father is so good, He doesn't abandon us. You know, we, our children have made poor decisions. We didn't abandon them. We'd say, well, you, you messed up. We're done with you. No, man, you, you stand with them, you walk them through it, you help them get by it, you help them overcome it, you, and what you really want to do as a parent is teach them through that process. Someone say amen. And so you want them to learn, hey, don't, don't make this decision again, and you want them to become, you want them to be better for it because they've overcome it and faced it and learned from it, not worse. And that's a choice we all make. Are we going to be better for it or worse having gone through these circumstances, even ones we've created ourselves? 
or, or Satan's attacking us or God's putting us to this test, regardless of how we find ourselves in that situation, God expects us to press in and say, hey, I don't, I don't jump for joy for the problem. I jump for joy uh, because, God, I know you're with me in the fire. And I know because you're with me that if I turn to you, I will grow. I'll become stronger for this. I'll be better for this. I'll be pure. I'll be more refined. My faith will be more refined. I, I'll, I'll come out better. I'll come out on top, not still down in the valley. And so as Christians, that's what we're called to do. We're called to press into God when we face these situations. Now, there's a process to, to refining silver and gold, and God's constantly using those two metals, those two precious metals, silver and gold. And he says, in Jeremiah 23, 29, it begins with this. He says, is not my word like fire and like a hammer that breaks rocks into pieces? You know, I've had families say, man, Man, my son, my daughter, this, my friend, my co they're so hard-hearted. I don't know if God could ever reach them. And I said, well, God says his word is like a hammer. He can break hard hearts. Some of us are living testimonies to that. And so you just keep speaking the word and say, God, your word is like a hammer. You're breaking up that hard-heartedness. Whatever's made them hard, God, whatever's hardened their heart towards you, and they don't want to talk about it, they don't want to talk about you, they don't want to do anything. Man, God, your word can begin to work on that and break that hard heart up. In the refining process, it always begins with a hammer. So they take raw ore, and it comes in chunks, and they take the hammer, and they have to crush that down as much as they can. That's how they begin the whole process. They, take, they crush it with a hammer, as, as small a chunks as they possibly can make. Just like what God says in the Word. You know, I had to get to a place of brokenness, where, not where I was defeated or, you know, just, you know, thought I was worthless, but I had to get to a place where I accepted the fact that I was in sin and that my life was broken and only Jesus could put it back together. That's the beginning of the process. When you, what God says to do, you humble yourself before God and say, God, I realize there's nothing I can do to be right with you. My, my sin is, 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 is filthy. Even my good works is filthy in your sight. Man, I need you to help me. And he'll, that's the beginning process of putting us in a situation to begin to break down the, the hardness in our lives and begin the process of refining us. Then the next step in the refining process is really powerful. It's, it's uh, like every other step. He puts us in the crucible. In Proverbs 17, 3, the word of God says, the crucible for silver and the furnace for gold, but the Lord tests the heart. Well, I didn't know what a crucible was, so I looked it up. A crucible is a pot that they make from all kinds of metals. and I mean, they mix all kinds of stuff in it. And they've, over thousands of years, have perfected the ability to make a pot that can go in that same fire and that pot won't melt. So it's called the crucible. So they take that ore and they break it up as much as they can with the hammer. Then they dump it in the crucible, that pot, and then they do exactly what this word says. Then they put it in the fire. They put the crucible in the fire. And, and so God, God, you know, 
in order to really make that process work and, and to really refine and bring out the best of silver and gold and the best of us, that crucible doesn't go on the edge of the fire, doesn't go kind of to the corner of the fire. It has to put be it has to put it has to be put smack dab in the direct center of the hard, hottest part of the fire. You know, I've had people tell me, they say, listen. I wouldn't, I wouldn't do my life any different because where I am right now. And I understand that because they've been through stuff that's created in them and that has refined them. Now, I would, do, I would, make, some, I would make some different decisions. I mean, I wouldn't want to make the same mistakes I made if I did it again. But... I understand their point that, you know, through the things they've gone through, that because they've sought God, whether it was their fault, someone else's fault, Satan's fault, whatever it was, the test of God, that because they sought God during that time, that God put them, God took them and put them in the hottest part of that fire in the crucible, and he began to refine them. And he, he brings out the best in you. So what happens in the next step is that you're, you're broken with the hammer and then you're put in the crucible, you're put in the fire, and then that the metal and the ore starts to heat up and liquefy. And the other metals start rising to the top and creates what's called dross. It's like, it's like, um, it's, it's like a film on the top of it. And so the, the, the silversmith and goldsmith, they'll start scooping up all that liquid, that, all those other metals, those impurities. They'll start scooping them up and pouring them out and taking them out of the, of the, of the crucible and removing the impurities from our life. And that's exactly what God wants to do. He wants to remove all the impurities from our life. And, and what they'll do is that every, they'll take the dross out and then they'll let it sit at that temperature for a while and see if more rises up. And then when it stops producing dross, they got to do something else, and that's turn up the heat. That's why sometimes it feels like when you're in something, I don't know if you guys have ever felt this, it feels like sometimes before it gets better, it gets worse. Has anybody ever felt that before? It's like, man, I, I'm thinking this is getting better, and then, you know, and I get some good news, and then a couple days later, it seems like it just got exponentially worse. Well, that's our opportunity to either say, God, I'm going to trust you, and I'm going to turn to you. It's, it's the same thing that Jesus did when he was sweating blood, and he, and he said, Father, if we can do this another way, I'll do it, but not my will, your will be done. He was in the crucible. He was in the fire. But what did he do? He turns to the father and says, Father, listen, whatever happens here, I'm submitted to you. I trust you. I know this is for the best. Whatever, you, whatever direction you take this, I'm going because I know the best is going to come out of this. And that that's, needs to be our heart in those situations, no matter how hard it hurts, no matter how much pain it's causing us, whether it's physical, emotional, whatever, that we just keep turning to God and say, God, man, if I'm going to go through this, I'm going to come out better. God, you keep purifying me. Keep refining me. I know you're with me in this fire. And you might not feel it. And it might not seem like it. Faith says... That, you know, regardless of what I see, smell, 
feel I, your word promised that you'd never leave me or forsake me, that faith just says, I don't care how I feel. I know by faith you're with me and that you're gonna lead me and be with me and you're gonna refine me and purify me in this fire. And just begin to press into the things of God. The world and a lot of people run from those things and they just wanna get out. So they just run as fast as they can. And what happens is Satan will take advantage of those moments and cause you to make bad decision after bad decision after bad decision instead of just standing and saying, God, I'm, I'm gonna make wise decisions. I'm not gonna make decisions based on my flesh and based on just how I feel. We have this whole world now. I don't know if you've ever watched the documentary I'd highly recommend. It's called What is a Woman? Um, and it's a great documentary. He just goes around asking questions of all kinds of, you know, gender studies, PhD people and doctors and psychiatrists, these questions. And it's amazing how convoluted and how disturbed their minds are that are teaching these things that they don't, they can't even define a, define a woman. But, you know, guys, that, 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 that's how the world thinks. They, now there's, there's my truth and your truth. You live your truth. I hear that all the time now. I'm living my truth. Like there is no absolute truth. And when there's no absolute truth, there's just gonna be chaos. Because now that's gonna be based on your feelings and emotions in the moment. Golly, that's anarchy. There's no, there's no civility. There's no kindness. There's no love in that. There's no, there's no continuity. There's no self-discipline. There's no commitment to anything. I said this years ago, and I'll say it again, and it's even changing uh, now, but that um, when we first started dealing with, with this gender, homosexuality, all this stuff in our culture, the first step was, please tolerate me. Tolerate me or else. Then the next step was accept me or else. Then the next step where we're at right now and we're about to go to the fourth step is celebrate me or else. Celebrate my sexuality. Celebrate these genders. Celebrate. It started with toleration, then acceptance, now celebration. And if you don't do it at any level, you're, you're a hater, you're, you're, you're a phobic, You've got all these issues. Now they've taken another step, because this is how Satan processes people, because they're all living their truth, and now it's conform. So now they're teaching, and don't, guys, people didn't think in my generation that this would ever take place, what's happening right now. But, but I'm telling you, right now it's conformity. It went from celebration to conformity. Now they're teaching at universities that heterosexual marriage is actually a detriment to the LGBT community and needs to be totally eliminated and everybody needs to be LGBTQ+++++. Everybody needs to function in this form of sexuality and if you're not, there's something wrong with you. That's exactly what God said, that what is right will be said is wrong, what is good will be said is evil, and what is evil will be said to be good. 
So it, it doesn't ever stop. It'll, this process of your truth, my truth, you know, never stops. And, you know, just do what you feel. And the, these wedding vows that started coming out, like, I'll love you as long as I love you, as long as I feel like I love you. When I don't feel like I love you anymore, we'll go part our ways. And it'll all be, you know, we'll all hold hands and sing Kumbaya, and our kids will come out great. Everything will just be wonderful. And that's how they all act, and it's never like that. It's always bad. It's always more painful. That's why we have to get back to the truth. You know, God always tells us the truth in love. And when we're being processed through the refining fire and he's purifying our lives, he's tell, he always tells us the truth in love. And he's bringing out stuff that we need to remove from our lives. He's moving that dross. But we can't live by my truth, your truth, and Joe Blow's truth. we got to live by God's truth. Jesus didn't say, I'm a truth. He said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life, period. So when we're in these moments where, we're, where we feel like, man, we're, we're being tested or tried or whatever the circumstances are, man, we've got to press into God and, and not away from him. We have a tendency to run a, want to isolate ourselves and run from God when we're in trouble. That tendency is, that's what, it, that's what I said, the world runs and isolates. I don't know how many people we've missed at church and we call them and say, what's going on? I say, well, you know, this, this is not going well. And they just, they quit coming to church and they quit. Then this thing, another you know, they quit praying. They quit reading their Bible and they just quit, 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 quit. And they just keep running from the issues instead of coming to church and lifting their hands and saying, God, I'm, I'm in the middle of this fire. I know you're with me no matter how I feel because you're the truth and you always tell the truth. You're not a man that you should lie. You always tell me the truth. I know you love me and you're with me and I want to learn whatever I got to learn. I want to grow. I want to grow past this. I want to overcome this and I'm going to press into you and I'm going to worship you and I'm going to praise you because I believe that all things turn around for my good because God, I'm standing right here and I love you and I'm called according to your purpose and I'm pressing in and I know you'll help me overcome this and I'll come out better, not worse. I'm going to come out better. I'm going to come out better. I don't feel sorry for the silver and the gold when it's going through that refining process. I know something beautiful's coming. Right? And God's comparing these things to our lives and saying, I'll create something beautiful in me and you if you'll allow me to. If you'll just press in and say, God, okay, I'm going through this, man, but I know. I, I can't speak for everybody else around me, but I can speak for me that, Father, I want to be better, not worse going through this. I want to overcome this. I want to learn from you about this. I want you to refine me, purify me. I want to come out. I want this to be a beautiful ending. And that only happens with you, Father. When I let you be my refiner and purifier, when I submit to that, Proverbs 25, 4 says, remove the dross from the silver and the silversmith can produce a vessel. Only after the dross is, 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 is removed can the silversmith now use that silver and that gold to actually form something of value. Of value, and that's what God's trying to do in those circumstances. Whether He created them or not, man, God will always do something for your benefit if you'll submit to Him and just allow Him to. 
My benefit, your benefit. If we just say, okay, God, man, I'm, I'm not running. I'm not hiding. Man, I'm, I'm right here, right now. God, your will be done in my life, and I'm just gonna submit to you, and I'm gonna press in, and I'm, gonna, I'm not gonna run and isolate myself. I'm not gonna quit going to church. I'm not gonna quit reading my Bible. I'm not gonna quit doing that. God, I'm, I'm not like the world. I'm not of the world. I'm of your kingdom. We press in when we're in trouble. We seek you, because we know you're a present help in time of trouble. We trust you. And if you'll ever do that and stop running from some of this stuff, and you'll just press in, I, I tell you, you'll have a testimony. You'll have a testimony. The Bible teaches us in Revelations, we overcome Satan, the evil one, by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony. What's the word of our testimony? That because of the power of Jesus in my life, I faced this, I faced this, I faced this, and I faced that. And I overcame this, and I overcame this, and I overcame that. And now that's why I'm here, because God blessed me he purified me, he refined me, and I'm better, not worse, having gone through that, regardless of who created the situation. I'm better, not worse. I'm stronger, not weaker. I'm of more value to God and the kingdom and the people around me because I've, I, I overcame and I faced these obstacles and I faced these trials and I, I went through the fire and I'm on the other side. Now God can use me. Now God, now I'm a vessel of honor. Now I can be used and God can pour his life through me like a vessel of honor. Then he says this, the step four, this is step four, three is the draw. Step four is the heat, they have to heat it again and again. The refiner has to raise the heat to remove all of the dross. So he raises the heat again, removes the dross, raises it again, removes the dross. That's why, I don't know if you guys ever sense this, that sometimes, man, a bad thing will happen, then another bad thing will happen, and another bad thing will happen. It's just like they start stacking. Man, and if you'll just not run from them and not shake your fist at God, but say, God, I'm coming. I'm running to you, not away from you. I'm not going to shake my fist at you. I'm going to lift my hands to you. Like a, like a child lifts their hands to their parents when they're hurting. I'm lifting, I'm lifting my hands to you. I'm giving these tears to you. I'm giving this pain to you. I'm giving all this frustration and anger and everything. I'm giving it to you. I'm pouring it out on you. You said, cast your cares on me because you care for me. God, I'm casting it all on you, and I'm going to let you, and I'm going to let you in, and I'm going to submit to your will, and I'm just going to let you remove more and more and more of the junk out of my life and purify my motives, Purify my heart. Purify my thinking and my life. I want to be of greater value to you, Father, not less value. And so he does it again and again and again. Only certain temperatures can remove certain impurities. Psalms 12, 6 says this. And the words of the Lord are flawless like silver. like silver refined in a crucible, like gold refined seven times. Like gold refined seven times. So each time you face a trial and you overcome it and you overcome it, you're just being refined. And we know the number seven is what? 
Number of completion. He's like, like gold refined to perfection, where it's beautiful. He said, man, every time, listen, Jesus said, there's going to be trouble in this life. He said, but be of good cheer. I've overcome this world. He's like, I want you to, I want you to have, I want you to go through it with not the attitude that you welcome the trouble. Because if you'll use God's wisdom and you'll follow his word, you can avoid a lot of the trouble the rest of the world experiences, but you can't avoid all the trouble. Right? You can't avoid all the trouble. Why? Because we're human beings and we're surrounded by other human beings. <laughs> right? So you don't avoid all the trouble if you want to be involved. And even if you live by yourself, you're in trouble because you'll cause yourself trouble. And so you, you don't run from it, you don't isolate, but you welcome it, and you say, God, refine me and keep refining me. I don't ever want him to stop. Because then when it stops, when that process stops in my life, then that means I'm, I'm like, okay, God, I, I'm gonna put a lid on what you can do with my life. I don't wanna ever put a lid on what God will do for me, with me, through me, ever. So we, we got to walk through this process and say, God, man, I don't like what's happening. I, I, I made a mistake here. I made a poor decision. I sinned here. I did this here. I did that, whatever. But God, I'm not backing down and running. I'm running to you, and I know you're just going to refine me through this. I'm going to be better, not worse. I've seen it over and over and over again. I've told the story of a young lady I met in the... Uh, I met her in the, the jail in Clovis. Um, they had her for a while in the juvenile section at 14 years old. She'd been in, I don't know how many foster care homes by 14. Uh, I can't remember. It was double digits. She was just passed from one home to another, to another, to another, to another, to another. And then she got in a, she was at a party with a bunch of other teenagers, and there was a fight, and she stabbed a girl and killed her. And her name was Ruby, and Ruby killed that girl. And I met Ruby, lost, hurting, abandoned in this jail. And one of the ladies who I, I went into with to, to minister at the jail with that went to the woman's side said, hey, I really want you to talk to this young lady. And so I began to spend time ministering to her. And eventually, man, she, she accepted Jesus Christ as the Lord of her life. And I'll never forget, Ruby goes to the DA yeah, I mean, it was awesome. Here's the epitome of a broken person now taking someone else's life. It's the epitome. That's what broken people can only, hurting people only give what they can and, that's, and what they have, and that's hurt, more hurt. That's why God wants to heal. That's why Jesus said, I came to heal the brokenhearted. Because he wants us to pass healing to others, not hurt to others. And so she gets born again, and they can't, they've got her in this jail. I ministered to her for over a year. They can't, the DA's having trouble with the case because it's a bunch of teenagers, and everybody's story's crazy. Can you imagine a bunch of 13, 14-year-olds in a big fight, and someone gets killed, and all their stories are everywhere. Some people are lying, some people aren't. I mean, it's just nuts. And so they're trying to sort through it during this time. And, and it looks like her, her uh, public defender's telling her, you might get off. And so I'm like, Ruby, what are you going to do? She goes, I'm going to go confess. I did it. And her public defender's like, no, 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 you don't want to do that. It'll ruin your life. She goes, no, i got to do what's right here. 
So she made an appointment all on her own and went and confessed and signed a confession. And they sentenced her to 30 years, 25 to 50 years, whatever, to an adult prison. And she's now 15, 15 and a half by this time. And so they send her to an adult prison at that age. And Ruby is going through all this at her own hand. Uh, She killed that girl by herself. But you know what led up to it was a lot of abuse and junk she'd experienced. And so anyway... She goes to prison, and she just starts, she's just serving God. And at 16, 17 years old, she becomes one of the leaders in the women's prisons up in Grants. And she's leading everything. She's leading in the church. She's leading at work. I mean, she's sharp. God's just, and she's, I'm just, I went and visited her, and she's like, Pastor Troy, listen, I, 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 I'm, 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 I'm growing. God's changing me. He's, he's helping me. She faced the fire and submitted to God in it, and he just started refining her and processing her. Well, the New Mexico Supreme Court took up her case about five years into her prison sentence and said they couldn't sentence her like that because she was only 14 when the crime was committed. And after a couple of years after that, she'd served time for that murder, and she needed to, and she knew it. But she got out of prison way early. And she got married and has children. And she's the manager of a place. And Ruby's just serving the Lord, man. Serving her family. And she, she allowed that. She allowed all the stuff that some, her parents caused her. All the pain. All the pain these, this being passed around in the foster care system. All the pain she caused herself by her own choices. She just submitted it all to God and said, I'll, I'll put me in the crucible. Refine me in the fire. God, I, I don't want to be like that anymore. I don't want to be hurting. I put my heart back together. Teach me how to live for you. And he did. And then he just, she didn't apply. No one appealed to the Supreme Court on her behalf. Her case just came before him. We know how that happened. That was a God thing. She didn't even seek it. No one was seeking it on her behalf. They'd thrown her in prison and threw away the key. But God didn't. And because she pressed in and those, 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 those things that had, had, she had no control over, in the things that she did have control over that, were, that put her in that fire, she just said, God, if I'm going to be in the fire, I know you're with me, I know you love me, just teach me how to live for you. I mean, God just brought her out, put her on her feet. Now she's a blessing, not a curse. And so step five is the purification process. Each time, with skill and patience, with skill and patience, the smith removes the dross and turns up the heat. It takes great skill and great patience. Because if he... If he leaves it in the heat too long, you can actually burn the silver and the gold. You can actually change the properties of the silver and gold where they become, un, they, they become so hardened, the molecules become so dense that you can't mold it into anything after that. You can't shape it. You can't stretch it. There's a term they call it ductility, and it's they lose it loses its ability to stretch or be molded because they left it in the fire too long. So it takes great skill and great patience. One woman I read about, she had read these scriptures, and she went and made an appointment with a silversmith to watch him do this. And she didn't tell him it was 
biblically based or anything. She said, I just want to see how you do this and how this process works. And he said, sure, I'll show you. And so he, she said, she asked him as he's doing this, as he's removing the dross and turning up the fire, she says, is there any time you can kind of just leave this and let it you know, soak or burn, you know, whatever, and come back later or anything like that? He goes, oh, no. He said, I got to be in here with this the whole time. And he said, I, it's not just I'm just in the room. I have to stare at it. I have to focus at it, on it the whole time. I can't take my eyes off of it because I've got to watch to see at any second, any split second that could turn and I could, have, I could harden it too much and I could burn it and I could ruin it. I hope you understand what that means about our Father. That when we're in the fire, he doesn't take his eyes off of us. He knows. He said, I'll never give you more than you can handle. That's what he means by that. He'll pull you out at just the right time. He won't let it harden you. He won't let it ruin you. Only we can do that. He won't let that happen. If we'll stick with him. Because he's right there in the fire. And when we're in the fire, his, his eyes are always on us. But when we're in the fire, he is so, I want you to understand, he is like that silver. He's the refiner. He's the purifier. He is so focused on us. He will not take his eyes off of us so that we don't get burned and hardened. But we get refined. So that, that silversmith has to be so focused during that purification process. Isaiah 125 says, I will thoroughly purge away your dross and remove all, everybody say all, all your impurities. He's like, I, it will be a thorough work if you'll let it. Guys, we have a choice in this situation. We have a choice in all those difficult situations. Do we seek God or do we run? Do we jump out of the crucible? Do we run, try to run from it? And you know, guys, I've seen people run from these situations and run over years and years and years. I've seen so many people run. When Christianity, when you start getting refined, when God starts this process, I've seen people just run from it, and every time, every time they come back more broken. I've looked at young people and said, if you run from this now, I'm telling you right now, if you don't deal with this now, you'll be 30 You'll be 40, and you'll be right back in my office, but these tears will be rougher. These tears will be harder. It'll be a harder process if you run from it now. You'll make it worse, not better. Don't run. Face it. In all the years, 30-plus years I've been in ministry, I've, had, I've been in ministry long enough to see 18-year-olds turn 40 and be right back in my office with bitter tears. Bitter tears. Pastor, I wish I'd have listened. Pastor, I wish I would have. I wish I would have just did. I wish I would have just submitted to God. I wish I wouldn't have ran. I wish I wouldn't have ran into the world. I wish I wouldn't have ran away from all this. I wish I would have faced it and let God heal me and let God refine me and let God take me through this process so my life would be better. Church family, the Spirit of God is crying out. Don't run away. Run to we're not running away from God. We run to God, and you won't have to cry those bitter tears of regret later. It's kind of like walking around the city. 
I wanted to finish that and I wanted to do that and I wanted us to pray over that together because I don't want to be a year from now, 10 years from now, said we woulda, shoulda, coulda. What if we would have prayed more? What if we would have stood more? What if we would have marched? What if we would have planted and watered more? What if we, I don't want to have, I don't live on the what ifs. I don't want to live on the shoulda, coulda, wouldas. Do we not have enough of those already in our lives? Let's not do that. Let's, let's continue to press in and run to God and let him purify us and remove all the junk. So then our life has great value to him and to others. That's what he wants to do. He wants our lives to have tremendous value. You know, he talks about a Proverbs 31 woman, and at the end of a, a woman that allows God to work in her life and work through her, he said their children will rise up and call them blessed. And I see my mama, her children have risen up and called her blessed. I see Julie's mama, her children and her son-in-laws had risen up and called her blessed. And I've seen my own sons rise up and call my wife blessed. When we don't run as men, when we don't run as women away from those issues, but we run to God, men, we'll become a blessing, not a curse to our families and those that we say we love. We'll become a blessing and not a curse to our communities and to the people around us. Then there's the last process, the final process, that when he knows it's done, when the silversmith or the goldsmith knows that it's completed and the process is done, he keeps removing the dross and removing the dross and turning up the heat, and then he keeps, when the, and then he starts looking into the metal. And if his image is distorted, he turns the heat up a little bit more. He knows there's more dross. But if he has a perfect reflection, he knows it's, it's finished. He takes it out of the fire. God said, listen, I want you to be in my image. I created you in my image, and I want to create in you. I want to create in you the image of Christ in you. The image of Jesus. So he knows when he's finished. He knows when it's done. He can look, and, and it's a mirror image of Jesus inside of us. Christ in us. Christ in us. And that's when he knows it's finished. That's when he removes it from the fire. He says, this, done, this is done. And you know, it's a process with God that you might go through something and he'll, he'll pull you out before you get too hard, get too stretched. And then you might find a few years later, wait, and he might put you back in there and refine you some more because he's never going to put you in a situation where he hardens you or does, he stretches you too far or ruins you or burns your life, burns your heart. He's just always going to keep on moving through that process until he can see his reflection in us. And guess what? Others will see it too. Others will see it too. That's how, we, that's how a silversmith, goldsmith gauges his progress, and that's how God does too. Romans 8, 29 says, we're destined to be conformed to his image. Job 23, 10 says, he knows the way that I take when he has tested me. I will come forth like pure gold. And no one, 
Job can say that. Job can say, man, he knows my ways when he puts me to the test. And I know that if I just keep hanging on to him, I'll come out better, not worse. And so many people talk about all the stuff Job went through. But I like to focus on the the last chapter. The double blessings he walked in. Because he didn't run from the fire. He didn't run from the crucible. He didn't run from the refiner of our hearts and our lives. But he pressed into God and he hung on. He wasn't perfect at it either. We won't be perfectly go through it either. But if we'll just hang on and not give up on God. Job ended up double blessed in everything he had and even lived way beyond the years he would have. In health and blessings, surrounded by family that loved him and family he loved in greater measure than ever before. Because he said this right here. God, I submit to you and I'm hanging on. I don't, I don't know why all this is happening to me. I don't know why I have to go through all this, but I, this is what I do know. If I'm going through it, I'm going through it with you. And if I go through it with you, I'm going to come out better. I'm going to come out in a greater mirror image of who you are. And I'm going to be a greater blessing to this world than I've ever been. A greater blessing to my family than I've ever been. A greater blessing to my church than I've ever been. Church family, I'm going to ask you to close your eyes. And those watching online, just remove all distractions and just ask yourself where you're at in life. This is the ultimate question. This is the question of all eternity. It's the greatest question in all the universe is, are you right with God or not? And God, we couldn't find a way to get right with God. We couldn't do enough good works. We, we couldn't sacrifice enough bulls and goats. We couldn't. There's nothing human beings could do to get right with God. There was a constant reminder year after year after year of our sin. So when the timing was perfect, God sent Jesus to die for our sins. When the timing was perfect. And his blood satisfied the curse that Adam brought on us all. He became a curse for us. That's the kind of love God has for us. We all blew it through Adam. And that curse was passed down from generation to generation. And will continue to be passed down in generation and generation of your family. Until you say, Jesus, you're the Lord of my life. I believe you died for my sins. I believe you rose from the dead. And I believe you became a curse for me. You took my sins and removed my curse. And now I can walk in your blessings and be a blessing. And now instead of hell being my home, when I die, heaven will be my home. You have a choice to make. Blessings or cursings. Hope or hopelessness. Faith or fear. Heaven or hell. Blessings or cursings. A life worth living and giving away as opposed to a life wasted 
life wasted and having nothing of real value to give to others around you. God gives us this opportunity. He gave it to us as a gift of love. He said, listen, I give you, I I save you, I remove sin from your life and I forgive you and I give you mercy and grace in heaven. It's a gift, but he won't force you to accept the gift. You have to accept it and receive it and believe it. So if you're here tonight or you're online and you've never prayed to receive Jesus as the Lord of your life, never. But you want to tonight. And I sense His presence so strong in here. His love. His mercy. Don't reject this mercy He offers you. Accept it. For the incredible, incredible gift it is. So if you've never prayed, we want to pray with you. Or maybe you've prayed and you ran. Instead of running to God, you ran away for whatever the reason was. But tonight you're here because you know that your best life is with Him. Your only life is with Him. Heaven, He holds the keys to heaven. He's the only way you can get in. He's the only way you can have a life worth living and worth of enough value to give to others. Only through Jesus. And so you're back and you need to pray. Just say, God, I'm coming home. I, I'm getting right with you right now. So whether it's your first time or your next time, you want to pray and you're online watching tonight or any night. God's right there wherever you're at, whether it's tonight or next week or next month. And you want to pray, I want you to text us and let us know or send us a message and say, I'm praying for the first time or praying for the next time. In this room, I'm going to ask you on the count of three to raise your hand and say, it's me. You need to acknowledge it. You need to say, it's me. I need to get right with you, God. And then you put your hand down and we'll pray right where you're at online and right where you're at right here, right in your chair. And so if that's you, send the message online in this room. One, two, three. Just put your hand up and say, it's me. I'm going to get right with God tonight. That's awesome. That's incredible. That's incredible. Let's all pray together, okay? And even those of us that know Jesus, let's pray with them. And those who raise your hand, all God asks from you is sincerity. Just want you to be sincere and that this is a heartfelt issue to you. So let's say this. Say this, say, God, I believe that you are God and God alone. I believe that you love me. You love us. And you sent Jesus to die for our sins, my sins. And you raised him from the dead, and he's alive. You did that to prove that you died for our sins and that you are God and that you love us. I believe it. And because I do, ask that you forgive me 
of all my sins. And I receive all your forgiveness right now. And I say to you, Jesus, you are the Lord Jesus Christ of my life. I give you my life. And I thank you. You give me your life. And your spirit, the Holy Spirit, comes and lives in me, teaches me and guides me according to your word, how to serve you, how to live for you, and how to live a full life on this earth that you came to give me till I see you in heaven forever. Thank you for saving my life. In Jesus' name, so be it. Amen. Come on. God is good. Thanks for listening today. If you'd like to find out more about Church on the Move, like our service times, or how you can connect with us, you can visit cotmroswell.com.